once again, and welcome to Be Boomer Unleashed, episode 129, Just Good News Journal, entry 26. I'm Jerry Lake, the Unleashed Baby Boomer, and I'll be your host for today's episode and all the episodes of Be Boomer Unleashed. Before we get into today's episode, let me remind you where you can find our podcast. You can always find us at beboomerunleashed.podbean.com. You can also find our links on iTunes, Google Play, and iHeartRadio, on Facebook, Spotify, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you can't find us at one of those places, just Google Be Boomer Unleashed, and we'll show up somewhere where you watch or where you listen to podcasts. So, uh, as always, we encourage you to drop us an email at beboomerunleashed at gmail.com. Once again, that's beboomerunleashed at gmail.com. With your comments, your questions, your criticisms, and suggestions for future episodes. Well, today as we continue in uh, Just Good News, Journal Entry 26, as we read through the book entitled Done, What Most Religions Don't Tell You About the Bible by Carrie Schmidt, and that book can be found at www.starstrivingtogether.com, that's strivingtogether.com. Or you can find the book on Amazon.com. And today's chapter, chapter 4, is entitled Birth Defect. Did you know that we all had defects at birth? Did you know that? Did you know we had birth defect? Well, Carrie's going to tell us about that today. And as we go through this book, done, and as I've suggested many times before, buy multiple copies of this book and give it to those who are seeking for a relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, without uh, further delay, let's get into chapter four of Done Birth Defect. Chapter four. Do you think I am a bad person? Julie asked with great hesitation, almost as if she didn't really want to hear the answer. I was a college student working a restaurant job, and she was a co worker who had been fairly critical of my faith, even to the point of ridicule. A few nights prior to this, during closing, she had come into the restaurant stone drunk. After the customers had cleared out, she began to rant and rave against my faith, literally cursing God and telling me how stupid I was for believing in Him. Now, just a few nights later, in the middle of the cleanup, she stopped me cold in my tracks while I was pushing a vacuum to ask me if I think she's a bad person. Well, to be frank, everything in me wanted to say, do you think you can curse my God, ridicule my faith, and have me not think you're a bad person? But that would have been judgmental, arrogant, and even hypocritical. It would have been a self-defense mechanism, but not what she really needed to hear. Deep in their hearts, most people want to believe they are good, even good enough to earn a favorable eternity. On top of that, when you try to tell someone about a failure... The typical response, for any of us, is to defend ourselves. We genuinely want to believe that we are pretty good, yet I've never met someone who would go so far as to say they are perfect. (laughs) Interesting, isn't it? We wouldn't say that we are perfect, but we don't want to be called bad either. Somehow, as humans, we've created this arbitrary gray area that you might call "Mm, not too bad. The gray area soothes the conscience for just about everybody because we each draw our own lines and standards and there's always somebody worse than us to whom we compare ourselves. 
Generally, we reason that, yeah, we're pretty good, so long as we can point to someone who's worse than we are. It's like a strange little game we play to try to make ourselves believe that we're okay with God. In that moment at the restaurant, Julie was wanting me to say, Hey, Julie, I know you have your faults, but no, you're not bad. After all, with all of my faults, who am I to criticize her, right? I could tell that her question was more than a surface concern. She genuinely wanted to know in her heart where I believed that she stood with God. Do you want to know what I told her? Well, I told her what the Bible says. Julie, it's not just you. Everybody is bad. I'm bad, too. Now, before you get angry and throw this book in the trash, just go with me for a minute. Her first response was, come on, don't preach to me. I want to know what you really think. In all sincerity, I said, Julie, we're all bad. I'm bad. You're bad. Nobody's perfect. Now, friend, you may not consider yourselves too bad or really bad, but you know as well as I do that you're not perfect either. So where does that leave us? How does God view this imperfection, and where does it place us in His sight? What are the implications of our imperfections in light of eternity, and where do we go after death? These are weighty questions. But the Bible answers them all very clearly. The message isn't so much hidden as ignored or rewritten to fit the religious agendas of men. When you take the Bible at face value the way God intended it to be taken, it all adds up. So what does God say? Are we really all bad? You may already be defending yourself in your own mind as you read, don't forget good news is still ahead, so... Be willing to let down your self-defense mechanism and listen to God with an open heart. Here's what he says about you and me and the rest of humanity for that matter. In Romans 3.23, he says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And back just a few verses, he says, There is none righteous, no, not one. That's in Romans 3.10. Simply put, nobody is perfect. We all fall short of God's glory or God's perfect standard. While we might be able to argue that we're better than someone else, we all fall so short of God's perfection that our petty comparisons become irrelevant. Think of it this way. What if God commanded us to jump to the moon? You might be able to jump higher than I can, and I might be able to jump higher than my five-year-old daughter can, but in the end, we all fall way short of the goal. That's what God is saying when he says that we all fall short of the glory of God. We all fall so far short that the slight difference between your goodness and someone else's goodness or badness doesn't matter in God's sight. Simply put, God says to the human race, You have a problem. You sin. You're imperfect. You fall short of my glory. You are sinful. In the next chapter, we'll discover why this is such a problem. But first, we must be willing to admit that the problem exists. For some people, this is a really big hurdle. I'm not just a bad person, we reason, compared to someone else. We may not be that bad, but God isn't comparing us to someone else. God's standard is higher than our standard. He's using his own perfection, his own glory as the standard. 
no matter how good we think we are, when compared to God's standard, we're all pretty bad. If the standard is a 10-foot basketball rim and you can jump high enough to touch it, then you're a good jumper. But if the standard is the moon and you can, and you can only jump 10 feet, then you're not much of a jumper at all. Well, who could jump to the moon? You might say, that's impossible. Exactly. It's impossible. I can imagine you're thinking, are you saying that God holds us to an impossible standard? Yes, that's what he does according to his own word. He holds us to a perfect standard. Why would he hold us to a perfect standard when he knows that it is impossible for us to meet that standard? There's only one conclusion to help us realize that it's not about do, it's about done. It's not about jumping high enough. It's about admitting that we can't jump high enough and then trusting in someone more powerful than ourselves to lift us high enough. Let's imagine that God literally required us to jump to the moon to get into heaven. Would you try? (laughs) Would you despair? Or would you ask for a miracle? One thing is for sure, you would immediately conclude that you couldn't get there on your own. Friend, that's the point of the Bible when God says, For there is not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. That's found in Ecclesiastes 7.20. He says that our sin and imperfections make even our good works pointless in His sight because our sins literally take us away from Him. But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are as filthy rags, And we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. Isaiah 64, 6. God wants us to accept the conclusion that we can't get to Him on our own. God is saying there is a great distance between us, a distance created by our imperfection, and as we've already concluded, doing good things does not close the gap. Doing good stuff doesn't pay for bad stuff any more than using my Visa card would pay for a previous credit uh, debt. Being a good person doesn't negate the bad or in any way undo the sin that we've committed. God is saying to the human race, when it comes to your relationship with me, we're divided. You're in way over your head in sinfulness, and you were born that way. He tells us that we were literally born defective in Psalm 51, 5. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. In other words, from the moment you were conceived, there was a sinfulness in your spiritual genetics. This isn't simply a performance problem or a behavior problem. It's not a doing problem. It's a being problem. I'm blessed to have three children. You might find this hard to believe, but I didn't deliberately teach any of them to sin. Yet before they could even talk or walk, they could be selfish. Shortly thereafter, they could disobey, display a bad attitude, throw a temper tantrum. And just a few years into their lives, they could lie, fight, argue, and even hurt others. If we didn't teach them to sin, where did all this come from? The answer is found in Romans 5.12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. 
Simply put, sin is in them just as it is in every man and woman on the planet. It's in us. It's in our spiritual bloodline. From the cradle, every one of us has the natural tendency to do wrong. But you must understand it's more than just doing wrong. If it were a behavioral problem, then it would be corrected by good behavior. But God clearly says good behavior cannot correct this problem. It's a state of being. Sin is in us, like a deadly disease. It's literally our spiritual birth defect. Since Adam and Eve, the first man and first woman, chose to sin. Yes, friend, like it or not, you were born spiritually defective. You were born with a massive spiritual birth defect that makes you imperfect before God and divides you against Him. He says it this way in Ephesians 2.1. And you hath He quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. We'll get back to that verse later, but catch this last part. We were dead in trespasses and sins. Remember the word death literally means separation. You and I are naturally separated from God, dead to God because of our sinfulness. I know this isn't what pop psychology tells you about yourself. It isn't what you want to hear. But do you deny that you are imperfect? Can you accept the fact that you fall short and that your spiritual birth defect has caused a massive separation between you and the Creator? This sounds like pretty bad news. But sometimes you have to accept bad news before you can apply the good news. What if you had a treatable form of cancer? Would you want to know the bad news so that your doctor could then give you the good news? Wouldn't you want to hear, you've got cancer, but we have the cure? Well, before you can understand God's cure, you must accept the diagnosis. God's diagnosis is simple. You were born spiritually defective, and you are incapable of keeping my perfect standard. Something supernatural must be done to bring you back to me. Why is this birth defect such a massive problem? Why can't God just wink at our imperfections and move on? Well, good question. Let's find out his answer in the next chapter. Well, that concludes Chapter 4 today of Done by Carrie Schmidt. Now, next week in Chapter 5, we'll talk about God's only accepted method of payment. You know, there's lots of folks that don't believe they're sinners. They don't believe they've done anything wrong. They don't believe that they uh, are bad enough for God to uh, take them to hell. Well, God's not going to send anybody to hell. His word, his very own word says that it's not his will to, uh, that any man should perish, but that all, A-double-L, should come to repentance. He doesn't want you to die and go to hell. He wants you to go to heaven when this life is over. The question is, do you want that? Do you want to accept his sacrifice? Or do you want to just try to figure it out yourself? Well, next week, we'll find out more about that. And uh, boy, oh boy, this is a good little book. Like I said, you can uh, find this book on Amazon.com. You can find it at uh, strivingtogether.com. Uh, 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 it's a great book. 
I've given dozens of these books away over the years to people who are searching for the answer of, hey, what's going to happen to me when I die? Am I good enough to get into heaven? Great little book, easy read, and a great book to witness with. If you don't have the words to do it yourself, use Brother Carey's words and let him uh, speak in the chapters of this book to the hearts and souls of men. Well, thanks for being with us today. Uh, We're going to wrap it up here. It's been great being with you, like I always say. It wouldn't be much fun if you weren't here with us. And I hope you'll join us next week. I hope you'll share these um, chapters with your friends uh, and your loved ones. And uh, maybe through this, someone will have that good news that we've been talking about, that good news of Jesus Christ, how he suffered and bled and died and rose again for our sins. Wow, what a Savior. Well, like I said, I hope you'll join us for the next episode of Be Boomer Unleashed. But until then, have a great week and may God bless each and every one of you. Goodbye.